Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of The Atomizing Show. It's episode 15 now. The divisional round is all wrapped up, and we are on a championship weekend in the NFL. So let's go ahead and jump right into it. And guys, it's time to cue the sad music. It was a sad, sad week for the Packers. It's going to be a sad weekend. It was a sad last weekend. And it's going to be an even sadder future for the state of Wisconsin. The loss last weekend to the San Francisco 49ers was one of the worst I've ever experienced as a fan of the Packers and left me devastated. All right, let's cut it with that sad music bullshit and go ahead and get into it with the real takes for a day. I want to preface what I'm about to say about the Packers. I'm going to take about 10 to 15 minutes. I got a few points I want to make, and then I'm going to get on to it with the rest of the teams. I got a real exciting show planned for you guys today. And before I get into it, I am obviously a Packers fan. You guys can tell I've been rooting for the Packers all year. But I also, as the host of the show, I have responsibility to tell you guys truth and not be biased towards my team. And across this whole segment, I'm going to do my best to do that. And I think I've laid it out in a good way. I'm happy I gave myself six days. And I think this is why people like Aaron Rodgers give themselves time. Because right after Saturday night, if I would have came on here Monday morning and tried to record this, I'd have been way too worked up with emotion, just like players get, just like GMs, just like coaches. I would have been way too worked up with emotion and would have said something that I didn't really mean. So I'm going to start off today with the 49. I'm just going to start off with the game, the 49ers at the Packers. I've never been so confused from a game of football before. This was the absolute worst season for this to happen to the Packers. And it could not have happened in any worse way. Don't get me wrong. I would have been upset no matter what if we lost. Like we lost, no matter how we lost, I would have been upset. But to only score 10 points in the divisional round game after your offense was one of the best in the league, Green Bay's offense was putting up 29 a game all year. And then after watching the Packers game, I had to watch Mahomes, Burrow, Allen, Stafford all be more dare, more daring. And when they trailed, they and their team was giving up fumbles. They were good, like looking like the other team was going to come back. They still were daring and still took the big shots. And the next evolution of quarterback is on their way. And it may, it's like, how are we supposed – the new era of quarterback is going to be scarily good. And I'm going to get into it as I go in through this show and I transfer over to the AFC. Sticking with it. The Packers didn't take a lot of risks. They played safe the entire game. The second Mercedes Lewis fumbled on that second drive, it was like back to the 2018 ways where Rodgers couldn't trust anybody. And – It was just going through Devontae Adams. There was 263 passing yards. 260 went through Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones. Going on to Aaron Rodgers, like for years, Aaron Rodgers' big thing has been, oh, he hasn't had a defense. When he's been given a top 10 defense, he goes Super Bowl. That was 2010. Well, this year we had one of the best defenses in football. And that's one of the other most painful parts. Every year, the defense 
is the problem. And this year, the one time it's not a problem, the one time we have elite defense that has gone out and won us games single-handedly, like the Rizul Douglas pick against Arizona in Week 8, went out and won us games individually, the defense did. Aaron was still conservative with the ball. I'll tell you guys why he was conservative with the ball. He's 38 years old now, almost 38. I forget his exact age. Rodgers is not going to catch Brady in titles. And that's what everybody looks at. He's got, he's got after this year, he'll have four MVPs. And well, Rodgers, he's not going to catch Breeze and Manning and all these passing yards records, touchdown records. That's not going to happen. What he's going to be remembered by is his QBR and his touchdown to interception ratio. And what does that come from? playing conservative with the football. Don't get me wrong. The job for the quarterback, in my opinion, a football team is not supposed to be based all around a quarterback. A quarterback's job should be not to turn the ball over away and go out in the fourth quarter and make that game winning throw. That should be their, that should be their job description. And also I don't want to knock on this as much, but he was not rattling the troops on the sidelines. When it was tied 10-10 and they had a chance there before San Francisco went down to kick the field goal, it wasn't like Patrick Mahomes when Mahomes had 13 seconds left. Didn't feel like that. Didn't look like that. And I'm sure a lot of you guys felt the same way I did. Now, the special teams is one thing for me. But for a team that scores 29 points per game, 10 is an embarrassment at home in the divisional round. And as a side note, I told you guys seven weeks ago that special teams would be the reason that we lost the playoff game. And look where we are now. It's not the whole reason, but it was a 10-point swing. Mason Crosby's missed field goal. Uh, block punt for a touchdown. That's a 10-point swing. And there was something interesting I thought of last night uh, because I was saw a quote from Brett Favre. He said he has a gut feeling that Aaron Rodgers is going to retire. And I got to thinking. And I want before I say this, this is no, no hate on Aaron Rodgers or Brett Favre. Zero hate. You guys will see at the end where I'm going. Something I thought of. Isn't it strange how Aaron Rodgers is turning a lot like into Brett Favre? They're two totally different personalities who have become similar with age. One, a Mississippi boy, and the other, a California boy. Both are privately were, were and are privately resentful of the organization. Both were the biggest name in the state and were some of the highest paid people in the state. And they both started taking all this heat because they were at the top of that pyramid for the Green Bay Packers. Both flirted with retirement relentlessly. And they had problems inside the organizations at times. And both, if you listen to what Aaron Rodgers and what Brett Favre said, they both always felt like they were playing against a stacked deck. And why do you think that is? It's because they never had an owner. They've never had a Jim Irsay or Robert Kraft to go out on their billion-dollar private jets to go wow these players. They didn't have the whole L.A. feel with all the Hollywood stars to lure people out. They didn't have any recruiting that they could do. They couldn't go knock on doors. That was, that, that's not 
possible for them. And here comes another thing that they both sort of have in common is this victim type personality. Don't get me wrong. Rogers gets killed on a lot of things that I don't think he deserves. One of the things being his vaccination thing. But when he constantly brings it up on the McAfee show and his interview saying people wanted me to lose because of this, you're playing the victim stage, dude. You're playing victim. And as a quarterback getting paid $47 million a year at your highest, you got to be willing to take the shots. And it's not on Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre as much as it's sounding like it is. Tell me what you guys would do. I'm telling you, 95% of the quarterback, Brady's probably the only quarterback that could go take that shit. And he still would hate it. He has no one to go get him players. He doesn't have someone to go up and knock on a door in the organization and get pissed at. Rodgers and Favre were the king piece. There was no king above them. They weren't just a knight on a chessboard. Rodgers and Favre are the king piece. And when you're in an organization for 17 years and you can't really get it all the way there, you're a tiny town that can't lure people to them. It's hard not to have a flashy billion dollar owner that can go out and get you people. Now, remember back at the beginning of Roger's career, up until about six years ago, Rogers and Favre hated each other. And now Rogers is older. He's seeing this is the way it goes, being the biggest celebrity and one of the highest paid people in your state. And Favre's and Rogers' viewpoints, their common viewpoints, are beginning to line up. And they have become good friends because of that. That's why I think this whole thing, Favre has a gut feeling that Rogers is going to retire. Compare it, like, I know Eli has come out and said some stuff, Eli Manning, and like some other people have come out. None of Rogers' close friends and none of Rogers' family is going to say anything. Favre is the closest thing, the closest common viewpoint, the only person who could know what he's going through. It, and back to what I was saying earlier, this is not a hate on Rogers or Favre as much as it is the way the organization is structured. And it's never something you could take away. I am an owner of the Green Bay Packers. I love that they're a publicly owned team. I think it's one of the fascinating things. But being a Packers fan, you have to be prepared for stuff like this. Being a tiny town team, being a public team, it makes you unique. And being the one out of 32 teams in the NFL being unique, it's not always a good thing, guys. When you have a great quarterback for the last 37 years like we have, it kind of it gets you through but like between the Bart Starr and Brett Favre eras, you can go a good chunk, not get a transcendental talent in there at quarterback, and you're not going to be able to wow people to come to Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers is the wow factor for Green Bay. Now, go on because we were talking about gut feeling Rodgers retire, and this is my last little part I'm going to say on the Packers, and then I'm going to jump over to Buffalo at Kansas City. I think personally, Rogers will be back in Green Bay or retire. 
immediately after the Saturday night game, I was thinking there's a 20% chance he's going to come back, 80% chance he's gone. Honestly, retirement wasn't even in my head. I was like, he is playing too good. There is no chance he will retire. And then after a few days, I obviously start to calm down. The mind starts to settle. I was like, oh, there's a 30% chance he come back 40%. And now just thinking about further, thinking about the things he said, I think it is a 50-50. Rodgers either comes back to Green Bay or he is retiring. For one, you guys know this. Romo said this too. Or not Romo, Eli Manning. The grass is not always greener on the other side. Tom Brady may have made it work. 95 the other quarter 95% of the other quarterbacks that have done something like that have not been able to make it work. Unless Rodgers goes out, even if he goes to a new t- if he goes to a new team, if he stays with the Packers, unless he goes out, shuts up all year next year and wins it all, he's going to be hated. And even if he does win it all, he's still going to get hated on. I know if I was Rodgers, why you're going to go through all that off-season workouts, all that training, all the stuff like that, and I get their competitors. But there's only so much shit someone can take for so long. Like, put your guys' in their shoes. Rodgers truly does not feel like you can have your own opinions. You can think whatever you want. But Rodgers himself truly does not understand where he's gone wrong or what he's done wrong. And constantly he's hated. He's drugged through the media. What would you guys do? Move to Hawaii? Go jump off cliffs and go to the beach? With your hundreds of millions of dollars or come back for another year and put yourself through all that again, just for the 10% chance, 5% chance that you're going to go out there and win it all. So in my, uh, Aaron has talked about retirement three or four times now this year. He's been alluding to it. It's not going to surprise me at all if he retires on it. I'm going to be upset, but I don't think I would blame him for it. I wouldn't want to go through what he's going through. Doesn't seem fun. And I'm sure a lot of you guys think the same way that I think about it. And that if Rodgers does go to another team, here's option two. He goes to another team. Why would you want to go to Denver or Indianapolis or the Steelers in the AFC like everybody's saying his top choices are? Like I was just talking about earlier, the AFC now has six to eight quarterbacks that are great. Herbert, Burrow, Mahomes, Allen, just to name a few. Rodgers is going to have to go through all of those Every year in the AFC, the AFC stronger than almost it's ever been. For him to go to another team at this stage in his career, he'd have to bring people with him and to make it work next year. It would be incredibly complicated. And I think he knows that. And for two, this is the third reason. This is my third thing. If Rogers stays in Green Bay. Rodgers stays. LaFleur has already said there's not going to be need to be a rebuild. Promise you guys, Gunakuntz, the Packers GM, has been doing work for months now. A little notebook to figure out how to sign all these players, what he needs to write this stuff out to. They have a plan. And if they say there's not going to be a rebuild, there's not going to be a rebuild. 
we've been great at drafting. We've gotten some really good A players in the first round, some great late, some great late round players. And on the Packers side of things, 33% of first round picks are busts. Jordan Love could he might just be a bust, guys. I know we've only seen two games, but against the Chiefs and the Lions, 58, 55% completion and 58% completion. And he did not show me one single wow pop play that I was like, that that is who I want. 33% of first round picks are busts. Jordan Love might just be a bust. Justin Herbert was thrusted into a starting job five minutes before a game. And an hour later, we all knew that he was going to be special. And after watching hours of Jordan Love, I I could not find one thing that is going to tell me that Jordan Love is special. That's the end of what I want to say about the Packers. Give myself another couple weeks until I come back to them. Free agency, Aaron Rodgers' decision. Aaron Rodgers' decision, I expect to come around the end of February, right before free agency starts, because he wants to be respectful to everybody like Devontae and all these other players who are trying to make their decisions. So it's going to be interesting to see. So we'll talk about it again in a few weeks. Now, I want to transfer. Oh, sorry. Want to transfer over today to talking about Buffalo at Kansas City. Buffalo at Kansas City, it was an amazing game. And I want to first talk about the coin toss. And this happens once every couple of years, guys. Once every couple of years, it happened a few years ago with the Packers, happened with the Ravens. Go through this. The coin toss, uh, the offense is, the both offenses are dueling it out. Pow, pow, pow. And whoever, you know, whoever's offense gets the ball first, they're going to go score a touchdown. Happens every few years. And it's history, guys. It's always been this way. While I do think rules should get changed, and one of my topics this offseason is I have a bunch of things that I think they could change to make the overtime rules better, but I'm not going to get into that today. But if you don't capitalize in 60 minutes of football and then it comes down to a coin toss, I think that's on you. This has been this way forever. Teams know this is the way it is. So deal with it. Now, going on right before the coin toss, a new era of QB is here, guys. 13 seconds left was all that was on the clock. 13 seconds. I am still, I say that number and I am just wild. I remember back in 2014, 2015, Rogers, Wilson, Brady, making these comebacks with 40 seconds left in a timeout. We were just mind blown. And now Patrick Mahomes is doing it with 13 seconds. A new era of quarterback is here. I want to tell you guys an absolute absurd thing I learned about Patrick Mahomes last night. He wears a heart monitor during his games. And believe it or not, his heart rate is actually higher on the sideline than it is on the field. On the field, there is a significant decrease. The only time his heart rate showed extreme anxiety was when he wasn't on the field controlling the game, even with 13 seconds left on the clock. That is remarkable. You could see it on his face when he took off his hoodie and put on the helmet and started throwing the ball. He just confidence was soaring out of him. 
when they showed him, it, it was just amazing to see. He's got that Montana cool trait, maybe even more. And it is, he's a better athlete than Brady or Montana ever dreamed of being. It used to be 30 to 40 seconds left for a game-winning drive. And the league changes every 15 or so years. And right now, it is favoring the quarterback more than ever. And Patrick and Josh Allen are going to be the best at it. They have plays protecting the quarterback. They have plays protecting the offense, helping the offense. And if you put other guys like, let's say, John Elway into this era, I think they would have a lot bigger numbers. My point is, folks, get used to it. Going back 1983 or 86, John Elway and Dan Marino came into this league. And I would say that was like the first real step up in quarterback play. And that that was first era. Then we go on. Then we have the Brady, Manning, Rogers, Breeze era that really elevated it. And now we're in our next era, guys. Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Joe, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert. Appreciate it. For all you people who didn't get to see, like I didn't get to see a lot of the years of Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Breeze, Wilson. I didn't get to Manning. I did not get to see a lot of those years. So I am ecstatic that this is the slate for the next 15 to 20 years of the league. And it's in great hands. The AFC is stronger than ever. And every single year, it is just going to be like a heavyweight bout throughout the AFC. Jumping back over the NFC today, the Rams at the Bucks was another game in the division round. The Rams guys were obviously the better team. And now you're asking how I know that it's because they fumbled four times. It's because the pro bowl kicker came up short on a field goal and they still won the game in the history of the league. No one has ever lost four fumbles, a 20 point lead and one. That's a real stat. They're an extremely explosive team, but like we saw against the Bucks, they can fall flat. They can be up 27 to three and fall flat. It'd be 27, 27 with Matthew Stafford having to throw the game winning ball to Cooper cup. They're a team, the Rams, that sells out every single year. L.A. is one of those places. All these superstars want to come there. We see LeBron there now, Westbrook, A.D., Kawhi, Paul George. Then we go to football. Uh, We got Von Miller, Odell, Stafford. They're selling out every year. They have not had a first-round pick since 2016. And now they're in their second NFC championship game and could be going to another Super Bowl. They won't have another first round pick until 2024 at the minimum. And I'll bet you they trade those away. I'm pretty sure they lose a first round pick if Stafford does something, stays a year longer, whatever it may be. L.A. has always been a place where big names like to go and they can just blend in better in L.A. It's more common for them. It's just easier. And you know what what was great to see from that game was Matthew Stafford. As a fan of the NF the Packers who are in the NFC North, 
seeing Matthew Stafford go out there and ball was great. And what poise he had, even after Cooper Cup fumbled, he went to him twice on the two biggest plays of the whole game. It was amazing. And I'm going to jump over and talk about the Bucks now. The Bucks obviously got knocked. I told you guys last week they had played more games than anyone else throughout the last two years. They were injured. They were extremely thin at wide receiver, and I didn't think they were going to win this game. And now a lot of questions are coming out about Tom Brady and if he is going to retire. Since Thanksgiving, he has been dropping little hints, and this recent week on the Let's Go podcast – he went into depth about it, just saying wants to be with his family. His kids are getting older. He really wants to see them get up. And Brady also said, it pains Giselle to see me get hit. She doesn't want to see her husband get hurt. And while some people are like, oh, I can't believe it. Like, it's kind of a surprise. While family is everything, when you're the greatest of all time, see where I'm going. But what is Brady going to come back to and look at what he's going to lose out on? The more I listen to Tom and the more I hear, I'm like, is he really going to come back? What's the AB's not going to be there? Gronk already said he's likely not coming back. What's he going to come back to if he does play? What the, What's going to happen? Chris Godwin's a free agent. Granted, I think they could franchise tag him, but I don't know for sure. So it's an interesting situation, and I really would not be surprised if Brady did retire. And it would be sad to see his career go out this way just because no one knew. No one knew that would be his last time, and he walked off the field, and that could have been it. Going on the last game in division around weekend, Cincinnati at the Tennessee Titans. This game was an absolute shock to me right here. Joey Burrow went out there balled out he has been going crazy as of late the past six or seven weeks talked to you guys about it last week joey burrow has been evolving right in front of our eyes it's amazing after he missed last season with the acl he's come back this season and it's like each week he just keeps building and getting better and now the titans completely fell flat Tannehill threw three interceptions and now they have an extremely interesting qb situation on their hands this offseason the titans have an offense built to go win the super bowl and yet they're in the afc like i was saying with burrow herbert josh allen patrick mahomes that they have to go out there and beat every single year so they have to be ready and they had the one seat they had the buy they had derrick henry back and they still couldn't get it done so that's a bit they're gonna have to move on from Tannehill. on unfortunately if they were in the nfc i would say Tannehill's fine but in the AFC, it's not going to work. Burrow is evolving right in front of our eyes, and he's just adding himself to that list of elite quarterbacks and that air and the next era of quarterbacks that I was just talking to you guys about. Now, before we get on to championship weekend, and I tell you guys what I think is going to happen, I noticed something pretty special last night with the playoffs and the teams that have been eliminated i'm gonna ask you guys this question before i start does it pay off to be in the worst division in football 
The three biggest playoff disappointments this season, one and done, your gone losses, have been the Cowboys, the Packers, and the Titans. Now, the three worst divisions in football is the NFC East, the NFC North, and the AFC South. Now, let's go look at who's left. We have two from the NFC West, the best division in football, one from the AFC North, the second best division, and one from the AFC West, the third best division. Is there a thing when you get in these great divisions, it's kind of all, all the games are extremely meaningful, not playoff aspect exactly, but a playoff type vibe game for those six games a year you have to play in division compared to Dallas or Titans or Green Bay, six cakewalks a year. You have to, for the Rams, the 49ers, for the Bengals, and for the Chiefs, you have to be buttoned up and ready to go with powerhouse teams every single week, in and out, whether it's the playoffs or not. And then we look at it for the teams in the weak division, like, oh, you get a one seed, have a bye, but it could actually be a detriment. Green Bay and Dallas were getting four to six weeks off a year where they didn't have to play buttoned up, really sharp football. And those were just the end division games. Now look at the games, how the games went this last weekend. It came down to the end, all four of the games. It was one of the best weekends of football I've ever watched in my life. And I think 50, 60 year olds would say the same thing. It was amazing. Every single game came down to the end, and it came down to situational football. Players being there this season, being comfortable in that situation, and some teams just aren't comfortable fighting for their lives. But the 49ers now have been doing it for six weeks, so they're ready to go in the Lambeau field and fight for their lives as an underdog. So don't always be loving the terrible division. Starting to realize it myself. Now I'm going to jump on to championship weekend. We got two big matchups, Rams versus 49ers. I'm going to start with money line wise. I like the Rams. It's at the Rams. However, I want you guys to remember what happened week 18 fan wise. This week, I was just looking at the stats before I was filming this. Right now, 43% of the tickets that have been sold are from Northern California, San Francisco area. So San Francisco is definitely going to have a loud presence in that stadium. Kyle Shanahan, San Francisco's head coach, is 6-0 and against Sean McVay, and they work together at the football team back in 2013. So Kyle Shanahan knows McVay's stuff. Now, where this scares me. This is the seventh road game in the last nine games for the 49ers. The fourth straight. The f- that is bad thing. That is why when we get down to my picks, I, I, I'm just going to wait till I get down to my picks. I'm picking the Rams money line primarily for that reason. The 49ers defensive front is playing like how they were just in the Super Bowl. Then you look at the Rams. OBJ and Vaughn Miller are way more embedded than ever, even since week 18. I think this is going to be a classic back and forth game. We're going to go into the fourth quarter. It's going to be 19 to 18, and it's going to come down to how Stafford does in the fourth quarter, how the best 
fourth quarter quarterback in the league this season. The highest QBR in the fourth quarter this season is Matthew Stafford, how he plays in the fourth quarter. The Rams turned really, really conservative against the Bucs. If they do that again against the 49ers, they have a better defense. They play a lot of weird zone and blitz packages, and the 49ers are going to keep it close. They can't go out and mess it up in the fourth quarter like the Packers did. Moving on over, the Chiefs versus Bengals. Straight up, money line-wise, I have to take the Chiefs. I think they are going to absolutely get all over the Bengals' O-line. Burrow was sacked nine times last game, and he's just taking an absolute beating out there. The one good spot I see coming from the Bengals is going to be the deep ball. Tyron Matthew, the Honey Badger, isn't going to be available this weekend, and their secondary is already their kind of weak spot on this team. Joe Burrow is a great deep ball thrower, so expect Jamar Chase to have a big weekend this weekend. Does scare me a little bit based off the way that the Chiefs locked down Stephon Diggs in the Bills game. So that scares me a little bit. But with Tyron Matthew being out, I expect Jamar to get a little bit more separation, probably catch a few more balls than Dix did. If the Chiefs have one weakness, it's safety. And Burrow is going to have to exploit that straight up. I'm going to have to take the Chiefs. But once we get to my picks, you guys see I'm thinking otherwise when we're betting the spread. One more topic before we jump on to the bets of the week. I want to talk about Sean Payton a little bit. He obviously retired, stepped down. He's taken a little bit of time off of, from football. I want to tell you guys why that is. Sean Payton, he's a smart guy. The Saints, they're $72 million over cap for next season. They're going to lose Thomas, Kamara, their best linemen, multiple other players. What would Sean Payton do with that? He might be a great coach. What is Sean Payton going to do with that? And then when you go look at the AFC, like I was saying, there's six to eight great QBs. And Payton is saying to himself, how am I supposed to compete with that? Which I understand. How do you compete with that? He's got his ring. He's got his legacy. He's got his money. And he's out. He doesn't like I wouldn't want to take my legacy further. He's not bringing back the Saints next season with Taysom Hill at QB. Granted, I really like Jameis Winston's upside. He's still not bringing back the Saints with how overcapped they are. He isn't going to be able to compete for years, no matter what. He's under contract for three more years with the Saints. So say he takes a year off. He lets Saints or two years, one or two years, he lets Saints figure out their cap situation. He could come back to the Saints, or there's a bunch of options. Could go to Dallas, could go Giants, could go Raiders. He has connections with a few teams. But, guys, this is an example of the bad side of selling out for your team. The Saints did it last year. The Packers have been doing it for a few years, and I think it's going to catch up to us. It's going to catch up to the Rams as well. You end up one year having nothing left and having to give up everything. Like I was talking about, unless you have a top eight quarterback, you're not going to win. The league is getting so much better. It's favoring the quarterback more than ever now. Your best wide receiver, Michael Thomas, his situation is an absolute mess. So what's next? 
I've listened. I, I listen to people every week. I read articles every week to get ready for the podcast and to get information for you guys. And one of the most trusted guys I listen to, he said he's been told three times that Sean isn't going to come back to coaching for at least one year. He's just burned out. The last five exits for the Saints have been full of tumbling and stumbling and rumbling. And now they are too far down the drain to unclog it. Sean Payton's going to take a year off. I think Fox, NBC, somewhere like that is going to go pay him two, two and a half million a year. Not even have a role for him. They're just going to try and get him in the building. If he loves that, he'll stick with it. If he doesn't, he'll go back to coaching after a year. All right, without further ado, let's get on to my picks of the week. Fairly sad after last week. Uh, you guys know I've been on a heater as of the last eight or so weeks. And last week I went two and two, went on 500. But you guys know the goal of this show is to go above 500. It's to make you guys money. And hopefully this weekend I can do just that. So for the two spreads that we're betting, I'll give you those. And then I got some player prop bets that I've been looking at all week for you guys. Picks wise, 49ers at Rams. I told you guys I got the Rams money line. I think they're going to clutch it out with the best fourth quarter quarterback in the league. I think it's going to be like a game winning field goal type vibes. And I see the 49ers covering the three and a half that the Rams are favored by. So 49ers plus three and a half. Then the next game, Bengals at Chiefs. Told you guys, I think Chiefs are going to win, even though Bengals beat them a few weeks back. I believe it was week 16. Bengals were, Chiefs were favored that week by three and a half, I believe. Bengals covered that. Chiefs are favored this week by seven. And the NFL, you guys know, seven is a lot of points. I got to take those points. Bengals plus seven. So two picks, 49ers plus three and a half, Bengals plus seven. Now let's get into the player prop bets. My first one for you guys is I got Patrick Mahomes over 29 and a half rushing yards. If you go and look at all the games the Chiefs have won in the playoffs, Patrick Mahomes has done over that in every single game. Fully expect him to get 29 half. He's elusive. He's a video game type player, and he's going to roll out. It's going to take two runs for him. He's going to have the 29 and a half. Next one, Jimmy G over. Uh, he's got Jimmy G over 0.5 picks. So Jimmy G to have one pick. He's had six picks in the last four weeks. Rams are going to get out to an early lead, in my opinion. It's going to lead to Jimmy G throwing the ball. He's going to throw a pick, lock that in. Next, Jimmy G again, hating on him a little bit, under 222.5 passing yards. He has not done that through his two playoff games. Didn't do that against the Rams, so don't see that happening. And the last one I have for you guys, Stafford over 2.5 rushing yards. He's not a mobile QB, don't get me wrong but he has gotten a rushing touchdown in each of his last two playoff games. And all it takes is a third and four when Matthew Stafford, who's a video game Madden type player, he's going to roll out to the right, run it up for a third and four. And just like that, you have two and a half yards. So if you guys want to bundle this all together in a big parlay, do it. 49ers plus three and a half Bengals plus seven Patrick Mahomes over 29 and a half rushing yards. 
Jimmy G to have at least one pick. Jimmy G under 222.5 passing yards. And Stafford over 2.5 rushing yards. All right, that's all I've got for you guys today. Thank you so much for tuning in to another edition of The Adam Eisen Show. See you all next week for another exciting week of getting into the retirements around the league and what is to come ahead of Super Bowl weekend. <laughs>